Welcome back to our epic review of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And that was the opening music from the movie. And this is our second of two parts where we do one of our deep dives into every single scene, similar to what we've done in the past for movies like Gentleman's Agreement and Double Indemnity. We want to mention uh, one thing, Bob, you were going to talk about the motion picture and television fund for just a second oh right on our uh, first episode of uh, treasure of the sierra madre I, I mentioned motion picture television fund i thought i should give the web address for the fund for anyone that would like to find out more about it so the uh, web address is uh, www.mptf.com pretty straightforward and there's a lot of good information there about what the fund uh, has as its mission and the services that it offers. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes on the website. My name's Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from the Seattle area. And I'm Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. And you can find us at classicmoviereviews.net, or if you're looking in iTunes, just type in a search for classic movie reviews. All the episodes are available also. I think they're 28 or 29 now. And they're available at both our website and iTunes. Yeah, this is going to be episode 30. Is it 30? Okay. The big 3-0. Yep. An age that I wish I was at. An age that I remember fondly, yes. I, yes. It seemed like I was getting old at 30, but now I feel that that was still quite young. Oh, well. But we still, both of us look better than Dobbs does at the end of this movie. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> You're right. Hopefully I, hopefully I look a little bit uh, younger than Howard. Yes, Howard looked a little bit, uh, little bit bedraggled as well. But still better than Dobbs. <laughs> still better than Dobbs. Well, when we last talked about the treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, it was just before Gold Hat and his crew of bandits showed up. And that's probably where we start. Yes, Dobbs and Curtin and Howard had decided that they were, quote-unquote, going to pull out their cannons and blast away all at the same time <laughs> to kill Cody, because that was the only way they could kill him and feel like they weren't going to be sure which one actually did the killing. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic. Gold Hat first saved Cody... But then he got killed by Gold Hat's band of bandits. Yes, Gold Hat comes and goes and throughout the movie and is either saving somebody or killing them. <laughs> but oh. mainly he's trying to kill people, though. That's his That's main right. thing. Uh, this is that scene where they, uh, the bandits come riding up into the camp where Dobbs and Howard and Curtin had been staying and, and Cody had shown up the day before. And Dobbs tells them to stop because they start coming up towards where they're hiding out and uh that's this is the part where gold hat has the line that i like so much about we ain't got no badges we don't need no stinking badges i don't have to show you no stinking badges i just love that line that line lives on i i read where it's the seventh most quoted line in any movie i don't know what the first six are but uh, I'll bet one of them is the one from Jaws where Roy Scheider turns and says, you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that, that's probably up there also. But this one is, 
and it's been used and misquoted in uh, other movies. Oh, totally. And I bet not too many people realize it comes from this movie. It comes from the man with the bad teeth. But hey, did you did you did you uh, expect Howard to be such a crack shot with his pistol? No, I mean this guy. He's a mountain goat for climbing the mountain. He knows how to get gold, and man, he knows how to f- use a weapon. Yeah, because wow. uh, Goldhat's sidekick is like swinging this uh, pocket watch around, and Howard takes one shot and and shoots it the watch mid swing. It's quite impressive. This is a. Uh, uh, one of the action scenes of the movie where there's a big gunfight and there's a lot of confusion and there's bullets flying everywhere. At the end of it, they realize that Cody has been shot uh, in the in the neck during the gunfight. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, when the bandits show up, the music is really, really excellent. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, it it reminded me of uh, Star Wars on Tatooine. Um, some of that John's John Williams score. Yeah. Uh, I I I didn't notice it the first time, but when I watched it the second time, it's it's really good. And then they're about to be rushed by the bandits when all of a sudden the bandits just uh, take off down the mountain and they find out that the actual real federales have been chasing the bandits and the bandits have no choice but to, to run away because they can't have the federales on one side and then the, the Dobbs and Howard and Curtin on the other. They, they're kind of trapped. Uh, and then they go back to check on Cody one last time, and they discover that there's a letter in his pocket and uh, that Cody has a wife back in Texas and a son. This is this is kind of where it ties back into Curtin's story about wanting to be a farmer because Cody was actually a farmer or fruit grower back in Dallas. You can kind of tell that he's going to end up probably back in Dallas with uh, Cody's wife at some point in the future. Yeah, that was <clears throat> that was one of the things at the ending that kind of tied it all together. And I, I, in this scene, I love Dobbs again. He, uh, he says, Well, I guess we better dig a hole for him. Yeah, that's his only comment. Like, we just hear this heartbreaking story about how he's got a wife and a son, and and she's a widow now, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's lost his dad, the son has. And all... all, all Dobbs can say as well, yeah, better dig a hole for him. (laughs) (laughs) But they uh, decide after that that it's time to pack up, and the the mine is starting to dry up, and uh, they all agree that, yeah, let's do that. And I think they ended up with about 35,000 each. I was impressed with Howard and his uh, environmentalism, because as they're leaving, he says, Let's call it quits and pack up and leave, and the sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to keep that dame waiting, whoever she is. Take another week to break down the mine and put the mountain back in shape. Do what to the mountain? Make her appear like she was before we came. I don't get it. We wounded this mountain. It's our duty to close her wounds. The least we can do to show our gratitude for all the wealth she's given us. 
If you guys don't want to help me, I'll do it alone. You talk about that mountain like it was a real woman. <laughs> You've been a lot better to me than any woman I ever knew. Keep a shirt on, old timer. Sure, I'll help you. That's very environmentalist for the 1920s. Howard Howard's a multi-talented guy. Howard is. Oh God, he's he's such such a great character. I mean, he's such, he's definitely the best part of the movie for me. I could watch him all day long play that character. I know. Uh, and and Dobbs and Curtin are kind of like puzzled by this attitude, but they get on board pretty quickly. And they, as they're walking away, they say, uh, "Bye, Martin. Thanks." Yeah. Thanks, Martin. Thanks. And then some time passes, and we do, we don't really know how much time passes, but they're sitting around a campfire, and. Curtin pipes up and says that he'd like to give a fourth of the gold that they have to Cody's wife. And Howard agrees because he says he doesn't need as much as he's got. And I think Dobbs says something like, you two must have been born during a revival meeting. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to go in on that. He's not buying into that concept at all. And And then we get this interesting scene... This whole series of scenes, actually, where uh, they're, the three of them are sitting around this campfire, and then some native Mexicans show up at the camp, and it's very tense. You're not sure, are these guys bandits? Are they? What do they want? Do they know about the gold? Uh, but they sit down and they share uh, cigarettes and coffee, and then we find out that... Mijito, se cayó al agua. Lo sacamos tan pronto como pudimos. No se mueve ni nada y no quiere revivir. Pero yo creo que no está muerto. Necesitamos ayuda. Por favor. ¿Cuándo sucedió esto a su ojito? Esta tarde, señor. Oh. So the little boy fell in the water and they fished him out. He won't come too. He ain't dead, but he just won't come too. Oh, tough. I'll go have a look at the boy. I'll be back a little while before morning, probably. Bueno, amigos. Look after my goods while I'm gone, huh? And Howard volunteers, like, without missing a beat. I mean, he doesn't even think about it. He says, I'll, I'll come help. I'll come look at, see if I can help. It, it says a lot about his character that he, he was ready to do that. I also enjoyed the, uh, the uh, people from the village that came and they shared tobacco and, and all it it kind of gave a window into how people would be greeted in that culture because even though they did uh, the the three of them didn't know who they, these people were they didn't seem to be menacing or ominous i don't know what it was as i watched it i thought this is this is not gold hat and his crew coming back now and even though they're in kind of a critical situation with this little boy they still take time to sit down and have a smoke and drink some coffee with them before they asked for help you know it's it seemed like it was really important that they just take a moment to kind of get to know each other for a minute it's a you mentioned that when when howard the multi-talented howard i didn't know he had this medical medical background but that's a very touching scene when he's reviving the young boy 
Yeah, they spend a good five minutes, uh, I think, uh, with Howard moving the little boy's arms up and down, up and down, kind of trying to uh, check to see if he is breathing. And it was probably the most powerful and moving scene in the whole movie for me. Uh, for me, it would either be that one or, or when Dobbs meets up with Goldhat later, a little bit later. That that also was very brutal and very intense. But this one was more emotional to me. Like the 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 one you're talking about was was kind of shocking yes. in a way. But and then after the little boy wakes up, Howard just stands up and walks kind of slowly out back to his camp and he had to wait through about 200 people it looked like but it's like okay my work's done here back to my back to my uh <laughs> my mission of getting all my gold back to the bank <laughs> but wait there's more from the village they show up yeah so they show up uh on the trail probably the next day and Howard's explaining about how he was able to revive the boy. And I, I loved how he said he used a few Boy Scout tricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must have been an Eagle Scout. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember learning those tricks when my kids were in Boy Scouts. But, yeah, maybe he was uh, more advanced. Uh, but the uh, natives, the villagers, insist, they're very insistent, in fact, that Howard come back to the village with them. Uh, in order to thank the gods and, you know, have a ceremony and whatnot. Howard is willing to go, but Curtin and Dobbs are not too sure about this because they don't want to go along. And it turns out that they're not interested in Curtin and Dobbs. They just want Howard. And Howard says to Curtin and Dobbs, well... After I've stayed at least for a little while, give me a horse ride. In that case, I may be a day or two behind you in Durango. Oh, that'll be swell. Good luck, Howard. Yeah. Yeah, all the luck in the world. We'll be lonesome without you. But you know, my Sunday school teacher used to... You say you got to learn to swallow disappointments in this sad life. Hurry up and join us. Yeah, look out for those Indian dames. They tell me they're pretty smart. One of them squaws might marry you. Well, maybe I'll do just that. Pick me out a good-looking squaw and marry her. They're easy to dress and feed and entertain. They don't nag at you either. Well, so long, partners. <laughs> See you in Durango. <laughs> Turns out it was pretty pretty nice for him for a while. There's a, there's actually a lot of foreshadowing in this movie <laughs> now that we're talking about it. <laughs> there is, and Dobbs and Curtin take off, and trouble is trouble is with them. Boy, I tell you, it's only been a day. It's only been a day that they've been on their own, and they're already like suffering and falling apart. And it's so clear that Howard is the glue that holds these guys together. They they cannot cut it on their own without him, even for a day. No, and, and Dobbs is, he's really on the brink. He wants to keep all of Howard's stash. Yeah, he says something like, uh... <laughs> What's the joke, Dobbsy? Aren't you going to let me in on it? In on it? Sure I will. Sure. <laughs> well, go ahead and spill it. What's so funny? I was just thinking what a bonehead play that old jackass made when he put all his goods in our keeping. How do you mean? Figured let us do his sweating for him, did he? We'll show him. What are you getting at? Oh, man, can't you see? It's all ours. We don't go back to Durango at all, savvy? Not at all. 
I don't follow you, Dobsey. Oh, don't be such a sap. Where did you ever grow up? All right, to make it clear to a dumb head like you, we take all his goods and go straight up north and leave the old jackass flat. You aren't serious, are you? You don't really mean what you're saying. Fred C. Dobbs don't say nothing he don't mean. And Curtin says, As long as I'm here and can do anything about it, you won't touch a single grain of the old man's goods. I know exactly what you mean. Dobbs is like, oh yeah? <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty much ready to kill Curtin right there. He actually does pull a gun on him. Uh, Curtin tackles Dobbs and gets the gun back. Uh, but then Curtin gives Dobbs his gun back without any of the bullets in it. And Curtin suggests, suggests that maybe they should separate. But Dobbs won't hear of it because he thinks that that's just a way for Curtin to ambush him. Uh, and then Curtin says, well, why don't I just kill you right here and now then? And Dobbs says, because you're a coward. And now, this is great. They can't go to sleep around each other because they know that if, well, Curtin knows that if he goes to sleep, Dobbs is going to get the gun or the bullets and shoot him. And Dobbs won't go to sleep because he's paranoid that Curtin's trying to kill him. You know, I, I was watching this scene and I thought, why doesn't Curtin take some rope and tie Dobbs up? to a tree so he can't so he can't uh you know do any harm and then he could sleep but then i realized uh, you know maybe they didn't have any rope with them although they had it with the burrows i'm sure yeah so the next day they uh are totally exhausted and curtain can barely walk because he's so tired and dobbs tries to uh ambush him <laughs> just like he thought curtain was going to do but actually he he ambushes curtain and Curtin catches him and says, get up there at the head of the train. So it's kind of a cat and mouse game between the two of them. Which one is going to blink first? And then that next night, uh, Curtin just can't take it anymore. He falls asleep. And somehow Dobbs is wide awake. And I have to imagine that's because of he's he's kind of manic at this yeah, point. He's, and he's, I think your note said he's he's looking crazy as a loon. Yeah, he's totally totally crazy looking his hair is going every which direction his face is just covered in dirt he's just so you know worn out looking uh, and they do they do a really good job with the cinematography here because of the there's a lot of shadows and the firelights playing and um, I think it it really kind of paints Dobbs into uh, kind of this evil uh, visage you know yeah. he's, he's he's quite dangerous looking uh but curtain falls asleep and that's it dobbs gets the bullets and the gun and basically just marches curtain out into the woods nearby and shoots him uh, and all we hear are two gunshots we don't actually see it happen yeah, yeah i was thinking i was thinking about this you know when we did the first part of the movie uh i, I mentioned that it, it did okay in the box office but not great and I think a big part of it is this role that Humphrey Bogart was playing is just unbelievably out of character for what he had done up until this time. I know he played uh, a bad guy in Petrified Forest back in the 30s, but this, I mean, this is just a new him. Now that I've watched it a couple of times, I'm like, he really stretched his uh, acting ability and skills with this role. Oh, totally. I, I think I... We, def we definitely talked yeah. about that in part one. I think that was probably 
if not the main, it was definitely one of the main reasons why it didn't do as well in the box office. Because the story is, is really good, and the writing is good, and, and it's it's exciting. Uh, it is pretty dark, though. It is a pretty dark... There's just There's just enough levity with Howard to kind of keep it from really being dark but when howard's but when howard's not there like in these scenes it takes it just gets really really dark and it goes to that place and i think uh bogart really is able to carry that i mean he he really brings the 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 menace to that character that it needed so we find out the camera cuts away from dobbs back to curtain and he's still moving and at this point, Dobbs, and then it cuts back to Dobbs, and he's talking to himself. Maybe I didn't kill him. Maybe he just staggered and fell down without being hit. And he's like, well, did I really kill him? I don't know. He might still be alive. I should go back and check. So he, he does go back and check, and... Uh, is now laying still and he looks dead and Dobbs I like this this part this was this was good Dobbs throws the gun to curtain like the gun was a cursed object like he couldn't get rid of that gun fast you keep it it's yours anyhow and I, I, I just made a comment that the cinematography and the music in these shots is just top it notch. Really is. Some of the best that we've yeah. seen. I, I, I'm at this point. I'm thinking that Dobbs is also hearing voices in his head because he's so out of it. Yeah, he's he's talking to himself some more, and he says, uh, "Conscience, what a thing." believe you got a conscience that'll pester you to death. But if you don't believe you got one, what can it do to you? Makes me sick, all this talking and fussing about nonsense. Did you notice that the flames, they, they did this, like, visual effect where the flames, like, roared up in front of him? I like, didn't. He, he, was, he was in hell, like he had gone to hell, and, and the flames were around him. He was either in hell or he was headed there. But it turns out, twist here in the movie, Curtin is not dead. And he drags himself off and is found by the natives that live in that village that Howard is staying at. So, the next morning, Dobbs is talking to himself some more. (laughs) (laughs) What I should have done, maybe bury his clothes and leave him to the ants and the buzzards. Buzzards. If somebody saw them circling, they'd know something was dead. Buzzards ain't spotted him yet. Well, lucky for me. He's talking about the vultures and whether or not the vultures would give away the fact that there's a dead body there. And, oh, he better bury him. Or at least he better bury the clothes. He's, he's got this whole running commentary going on. Surprise, Curtin isn't there anymore. <laughs> and that really sends him over oh, the yeah. edge. He's, if he wasn't totally gone at that point, he, he was after that. He's descending in an elevator Curtin. by now. Wow. 
Where are you? Take me! Hold of myself. I mustn't lose my head. There's one thing certain he ain't here. I got it. The tiger. Yeah, yeah, that's it, the tiger. But they dragged him off to his lair, that's what. And I love this line. I don't know, this isn't one of the most famous lines ever, but it's sure a good one. <laughs> Done as if by order. As if, as if now he's commanding the tigers and, and commanding nature to do his bidding or something like that. Well, in his, in his world, I think he was. Wow. Okay, so, so we've just spent a good ten minutes, uh, at least, in this really dark place. And then we do a switch and we do a cut to a, a vision of Howard in a hammock having food fed to him by lovely young native villagers. And it's like he's royalty. Yeah, when when that scene came up, I'm thinking, he's gone to Maui, and he's hanging out on the beach. He looked like he was at a tropical paradise resort. You know, it's coming up in this uh, next section uh, where uh, the director breaks the plane of of the movie. That's great. Yeah, this was weird. Like, um... The whole movie, it's very straight ahead, drama, action, a little bit of comedy. Uh, but then there's this part where Howard is getting his beard kind of massaged by this young woman. And he, this young woman is giving him some drink through a straw. And Howard like looks directly at the camera and shakes his head as if, oh my gosh, can you believe this? Yeah. And he totally breaks that that invisible plane of the screen, and acknowledging that he, basically he's in a movie. It was it was yeah it was it was a little weird. It for it was like something you'd see in a Mel Brooks movie. Oh, totally! Like they totally did that in uh, in both of the Mel Brooks movies that we've reviewed. <laughs> but you're right; it does work. It 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 doesn't interrupt the flow of the movie. To me, anyway. Well, I think it works because we're, as the audience, we're thinking exactly that. Like, are you serious? Like, this 19-year-old, beautiful, young native villager is, you know, fawning over you like that? And, and we're kind of shaking our heads ourselves. And then Howard looks at the camera and shakes his head like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Eat your heart out. Uh. <laughs> uh, but then a man comes in and whispers something to him and and uh, Howard gets up and turns out that Curtin has been brought to the village and is getting some medical attention and Howard is going to help with that and Curtin tells him what has happened and how Dobbs tried to kill him and Howard is like well we've got to go find him we got to go get our gold back we can't let that we can't let that stand and so they're out on the trail, and the, some of the native villagers have volunteered to help with this uh, search. And they find traces of Dobbs kind of along the way. They they uh, are following his trail, and they, they see a dead burrow that's just covered in flies. 
and and then we from that scene we cut to a scene of Dobbs and he's really on his last legs. He's tired, hot, thirsty, and crazed looking. At which point he finds a water hole and he he just runs down into this gully and, and just dives and puts his face into the water and starts drinking. And this was another one of my favorite scenes uh, because of the way they shot this. Uh, when he's done, he pulls his face out of the water, and as the water settles, it reflects the the fact that there's somebody standing behind him, and it almost looks like it's a ghost, yep. or like an angel of death, or the Grim Reaper is behind him and has come to pay him a visit. Which, in actuality, it was. It was. It was. It was. Guess who? Gold, Gold hat. hat. <laughs> Back again. But it's it's Goldhat with uh, I think two or three of his bandit friends, and everybody else has been killed, presumably, uh, from that has, chase with the Federales. I think there's just him and two others, and they don't look like they've had a bad, a good time either. No, they're pretty beat up, and it takes a minute for Goldhat to recognize Dobbs, but he does recognize him and realizes that he's the guy that shot his hat. He doesn't. He doesn't like the fact that Dobbs shot at him. And Dobbs is trying to play it off like, no, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're talking about. But I could sure use some help getting those these burrows back to the to Durango. Why don't you guys give me a hand getting this? And Goldhat's like, yeah, we could get those burrows back to Durango without your help, buddy. <laughs> and this is that scene you're talking about that's so brutal. And it really yeah. is. Uh, you want to describe it for us? Well, Dobbs uh, is trying to talk his way out of being killed by saying there are other people with him, and Goldhat and his crew know that's not true. And uh, finally, uh, Goldhat just he kicks Dobbs to the ground, and then he kills him with a machete. And, and they didn't show the actual killing; they just it, it's hidden, I think, by the burrow. But it, I mean, he's. I think it's more brutal because you don't see it. To me, it was it had more of an effect on me than watching it. Well, I was trying to imagine like where he hit him, and that's the part that got to me. Like, did he hit him like right in the face? Did he hit him in the back of the head? Did he hit him in the neck? Because he hits him twice, and you got to think that he was probably dead after the first one, but he was definitely dead after the second shot. I think that's why it seems so brutal to me because you're. You're, at least for me, my mind was thinking the worst. The worst, which made it more of an impact. The worst to me would be that he doesn't die after the first hit with the machete, and he knows that another one is coming. It's coming. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, that's the end of Dobbs. And that's the end of Dobbs. And, and you know, we were laughing because when we first meet Goldhat during that train shootout at the beginning of the movie, Dobbs is within a, a second or two of being able to shoot Goldhat, but then gets, yeah. Goldhat kind of gets obscured by a hillside. But, you know, it, it all came back. And uh, you know, I, I kind of think uh, it's a little bit of karma coming back to get him there. I was, uh, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit, but when uh, Curtin and Howard show up on the horses with the uh, villagers, and they kind of go right through that same uh, spring where they were, where they killed uh, Dobbs. I didn't see Dobbs at all. I don't know what they had done with him. 
I don't know if yeah, they that's put him a good off point. in the bushes or. I was like, okay, what do they do? Drag him? Maybe they drug, uh, dragged him off into the bushes so somebody wouldn't see him. Well, they definitely know. took his boots and some of his clothes, and then yeah. they probably hid the body somewhere not too far away from there. But yeah, that's a good point. They didn't see him. Uh, but uh, after the uh, killing of Dobbs, the burrows kind of run away into these ruins of an old Mexican town that are nearby. And the bandits chase after the burrows and catch up to them. And they're kind of going through and inventorying all the stuff that is on the back of these burrows. And they find these bags of dirt, or so they think, and they basically just empty them out onto the ground or, or just uh, leave them there to the elements. And they don't realize that those are full of gold, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. Like, I think they might have I do too. Yeah. suspected that that was gold. If there was one part of the movie that seemed a little uh, not real to me is that I'm sure bandits would be able to know what gold looked like because they were around those mountains all the time. So it, it it just didn't ring true to me that they would just dump it out on the ground. Yeah, that that seemed a little false, but it does set up the ending, and I think they kind of had to do that in order to end it the way that they ended it. We'll just chalk it up to these guys are not very smart bandits. They're just really <laughs> dumb bandits. <laughs> they wanted the burrows. And the, of the hides, gold. and they didn't want to deal with the gold. So uh, they do take the burrows and the hides to Durango and try to sell them. But as they're coming into town, a young boy that we recognize from earlier in the movie uh, notices that those burrows are familiar, and they have a marking that he recognizes. So he runs and gets the local law enforcement, and as Goldhat is trying to sell the burrows, uh, the local law enforcement surrounds them and captures them. And then we cut back to Curtin and Howard and the natives, and this is where they're riding into those old ruins. And so we know that they're getting close. And then we cut back to Durango, and <laughs> this is this is another funny scene. The gold hat and the bandits are forced to dig their own graves. And there's one funny part where after they've dug the graves, they've lined them up against this wall to get shot. Uh, but before he gets shot, Goldhat says, um, excuse me, do you mind if I get my sombrero? <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a real, <laughs> he had a real affinity for his hat. <laughs> yeah. He puts his hat on and then they get shot. <laughs> he loved that hat. He had to die with his hat on. I've um, heard of the expression, die with your boots on, but. Never die with your hat on. Not with your hat. But if you're gold hat, you've got to have your hat. That's, uh, and that was the end of him and his sidekicks. So we're almost to the end of the movie here, and, and there's another really long stretch of only Spanish speaking. Yep. But we know what we, we know that whole time what's going on. It's it's the scene after they the, as they're coming in to sell the burrows and the the uh, hides, and then all the way to the point where Curtin and Howard and the other natives show up in Durango. But that whole part was just Spanish-speaking. Uh, they find out that they can get the burrows back and their hides, but the bags of dirt, so to speak, are nowhere to be found. Uh, but the young boy says that he overheard the bandits talking about some old ruins, 
And so Curtin and Howard are like, okay, I bet that's where it is. We got to go back there and look for it. But as they're on their way out to the old ruins, uh, another northerner starts blowing up, and uh, yeah, well, you know what's you know what's coming, right? <laughs> Sayonara to the gold. And there's some good music playing. There's some good music playing as the wind just kind of blows away all the gold. It's 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 sort of tragic. I mean, they spend a year digging this up, and. One of them's dead. They almost they all died, almost. And what do they get for it? Some burrows. And some hides, yeah. And some Not hides. much. Not much. But, but uh, How, I think Howard was okay, because he's starting to think what's going to go. He's going to go back to that uh, village. Yeah, he starts <laughs> laughing. He, he starts laughing uncontrollably, and Curtin's looking at him like, okay, now he's lost it, too. But he, Howard says, Oh, laugh, Curtin, old boy. It's a great joke played on us by the Lord or fate or nature, whatever you prefer. But whoever or whatever played it certainly had a sense of humor. <laughs> the gold has gone back to where we found it. <laughs> and then Curtin starts laughing, too. <laughs> Yeah, Howard says, well, I guess I'm going to go back to the village and live as a medicine man. And he says to Curtin, what are you going to do? And Curtin says, well, I think I'll go to Dallas and find Cody's wife and try my hand at growing fruit trees. Yeah, which is what he wanted to do early on in the movie. So that, for yeah. him, it was going to turn out okay. But, you know, it's it's definitely kind of got a, it's not a happy ending, though, I wouldn't no. say. No, not at all. Well, you know, I didn't put a rating on this when I did my notes, which is the first time I've forgotten to do that. Um, so here goes. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. I didn't quite go to the 10 for a couple of the plot things that didn't quite ring true to me, like why didn't Curtin tie Dobbs up? How could the bandits not know that it was gold? It, it, it's just, just a tick below... The beauty of like uh, double indemnity, which there w there was not one plot flaw in that whole movie. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I, I was going to give it a nine uh, for pretty much exactly the same reasons. And like we gave the Maltese Falcon a ten, but to me, I didn't really feel like there were any plot holes in that movie. In fact, that movie le that movie left me thinking that there was even more going on that we didn't get to see or know about you know there's it left yeah. my imagination spinning on different things that could have happened and if i think of like gentleman's agreement I, I i do remember during during that review that i mentioned that there wasn't one scene in that movie that you could take out and there there wasn't one extra scene no e everything right. needed to be there and like as much as i liked it when howard looked at the camera and kind of shook his head i, I think yeah, it was i don't know it kind of detracted a little bit from it from the movie for me and then um yeah the thing about the gold and so yeah I, but still i mean a nine out of ten it's still a really excellent movie excellent movie and i would give howard a 10 and oh, i would give howard a 10, a 10. Yeah. yeah well that that uh that wraps up the treasure of the sierra madre excellent movie
And again, our review our review is almost as long as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wonder how many, maybe there were plot holes in ours, too. <laughs> Probably. Not plot holes, plot holes. Um, our next podcast will be Beat the Devil from 1953, which I have seen once years ago. So I, I don't have much background on it, so I'll have to watch it a couple times. I did read where Houston wanted to make it as kind of a, I don't know if it was a parody or a parallel story to the Maltese Falcon. So oh, I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to see that when we watch it. All I know about it is what I read on IMDb. It's like a two-sentence summary, so that's about it. <laughs> I'm going in blind on this one. Well, let's let's make sure that when we talk about that movie that we kind of compare and contrast how we feel maybe Bogart and... Uh, John Huston changed, if at all, from the Maltese Falcon to the Treasure of the Sierra Madre to beat the devil, if we can notice devil. anything. Over that 12-year span. Okay. Yeah. Sounds Alrighty. good. Well, well, shall we wrap it up? <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And again, you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net or in iTunes. Just search for Classic movie reviews and i'm matt johnson coming to you from seattle and bob johnson from los angeles and we're wishing you happy movie watching ah goodbye curtain goodbye howard good luck same to you Gentleman's Agreement is playing on Turner Classic Movies right now. Oh, is it? And I'd forgotten. I think their programmer is following us. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, darn. <laughs> anyway.